Matt and Ashley, we'd like you guys to come forward. We are going to have a time of prayer for them on their first Sunday. And uh, it's really a time for us as a church to celebrate God's goodness and his leading through this whole process. And as, uh, as a pastor on behalf of our staff there, it is very clear to us that, uh, that God has led in this whole process. And Matt is the man for our church. And we are so excited on behalf of the staff to, that he is here and, and we're excited to work with him. And so this morning on his first Sunday, we just wanted to spend some time just praying for their ministry as they begin. And so we have uh, Carl and, and Micah and Ryan here, representative from, uh, from the search team, uh, from the elders and deacons, from our leadership, just to pray for Matt as, as, and, and Ashley as they start their ministry here, that God would, would give them the wisdom they need and, and lead and guide them as they, as they begin here. And so we just want to have a time of prayer. We ask that you would join us and continue to pray with them as they, as they get used to, uh, to, to ministry here and as they lead us in the future. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, uh, we just thank you so much uh, for how good you are to us. Lord, as we've sang this morning, God, um, you were on the throne, and um, God, that was so apparent throughout the process uh, as the search team, um, as we just yielded to you, God, and just sought your face and asked you, God, what do you have for Mount Calvary Church? Lord, you were so good and so faithful to us, Lord, and we just thank you for the privilege of serving and just watching you work. Um, God, thank you for the unity um, and the love that you gave to us on the search team as we worked through um, the entire process from day one um, until today with, uh, with Matt and Ashley standing here with us this morning, God. It's just so apparent, uh, and it was every single step of the way, God, that you were in complete control and your sovereignty and your goodness was evident throughout all. And so, God, as we uh, sing this morning, we exalt thee, God. Uh, we just truly do because, um, God, we know everything uh, just worked out perfectly according to your will and according to your design. Uh, we thank you, Lord, um, for Matt and Ashley and for bringing them here. And, Lord, I know um, their hearts, they just want what you want, and that's what we wanted. And um, so, God, this is just an exciting moment to stand here together because um, we were all just seeking your will, and uh, this was your will. And so we just praise you for that, Lord. I do just want to take a moment, too, to pray for the other uh, men that we spoke to throughout the process, God, as they continue to seek your will in their ministries and in their lives. And God, I just ask that you would provide peace and wisdom and direction for them as well. Lord, we're excited for the future of Mount Calvary. Um, it's evident, God, Mount Calvary does not belong to any of us standing up here. It doesn't belong to the elders or the staff or any of the church members or attendees, God, but Mount Calvary Church belongs to you. This is Christ's church, and Lord, we just seek to honor you as we continue to follow you. Um, Lord, just help us to be faithful in service to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear Jesus, just... Uh Thank you for uh, bringing Matt and Ashley and their family uh, to our church. And uh, we could clearly see your hand in uh, how that came about. And we just ask you now as they uh, transition uh, to a whole new location, a whole new way of life, uh, that uh, you will just be with them during that time and with uh, Matt, Ashley, and the entire family as it will be an adjustment for all of them. We just ask for your uh, peace, comfort, and grace during that time and just uh, we know that you 
um, are involved in all of the details and just work out the details with housing and uh, everything else that goes along with that. We know that you are uh, in control and uh, we just ask you as Matt uh, takes over here as in the leadership position that you will just be with him and that you will guide and protect him, give him the wisdom that he needs. And I just pray that we, we lift him up in prayer and uh, that you provide the hedge of protection around him. Um, we know that uh, we are involved in a spiritual war and he needs protection and we need to, to be giving that to him. And we just, uh, we lift him up to you and him and his entire family. And I just ask that uh, we as a congregation that we uh, look and see what part we can play in this ministry and how uh, we can all bring glory and honor to you. That is what uh, we need to do. We need to be a light on the hill here at Mount Calvary Church and just uh, let, us, let us reach out to the community and show, show our unity, show our love uh, for one another and just um, give, give Matt the wisdom and, and working with the staff and the day-to-day things, just uh, guide and direct. And we know that you, you have a plan and that you are always in control and that you, and we, we can't believe the grace and mercy that you give to us to use uh, broken vessels and imperfect vessels to help accomplish your goals. In your name, amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we uh, continue in prayer, uh, Lord, is this prayer of, uh, dedication for Matt, Lord, I, I pray that you would protect him, protect his family, Lord, that you would allow him to set aside the time he needs for his personal relationship with you, Lord, that you, he would seek your face above all, Lord, that he would be able to have time to give to his family, to give to Ashley and Caroline and Truman and Jack, Lord, that you would uh, just allow him to have time unwavered, un- un- uninterrupted, to seek your face, Lord, in, in, uh, in his personal studies and also in his studies, his sermon prep, Lord, and all that goes in, into that, Lord, and also uh, in the lead position, uh, making decisions with the staff members, with the elders, Lord, with the deacons, Lord, and I just pray that before any decision is made, uh, whether it be with Matt or the the staff, the elders, the deacons, that we would seek your face, Lord, um, above all, Lord. I just pray that you would uh, bless him, bless Matt as he is here, bless his family um, as they have moved away from, from uh, Virginia, and they still have friends and, and uh, connections there. Lord, I just pray that they would um, build new ones here also, Lord. And just, I just thank you for their willingness to follow you and to, to, open, uh, to be open to, to this opportunity for them, Lord. And as we start a next chapter in this ministry that you have as Mount Calvary, I pray that we would... Um, not just look back at the past and see what has worked, Lord, but look to the future. Uh, so many times in scriptures we can see, Lord, that um, we need to seek you first to find out what, 
uh, you want from us, Lord. And I just, I dedicate this time to Matt, to his family, but also to the church as we start anew, that you would just give us the wisdom and just to seek your face, Lord, in the next chapter for Mount Calvary. And above all, I just thank you so much, Lord, for the blessings that you have given to us. In your son's name, amen. And Matt and Ashley, not only are we as excited as the staff, but our congregation is excited for you because we have some gifts that we collected that we'd like to, to, to give to you. We'll give it to Ashley so to make sure that you share it with her. And, and so just a little token from our congregation to say we're excited that you're here and that uh, we're excited for your ministry to start. And not only are we excited by giving you gifts, but we also let the new pastor win in wiffle ball yesterday. So we're really, you know, we're really excited you're here. So thank you so much. Thank you guys uh, for praying this morning. Good morning. What an exciting day. We're humbled. We're very humbled to be here. Like Carl prayed, like was just prayed. This has been very clear for us. Ashley and I were talking the other day just about the process. I was looking through some old emails. My first email that I sent to Mount Calvary was about seven months ago. And just reflecting on the process, um, it's encouraging. And, And now we're here. And we have literally prayed for this day for seven months and for God to lead. And just hearing those prayers and knowing what the church has gone through, uh, honestly, from, from Ashley and I and our family, we're humbled, we're excited, and we're ready to go. We're ready to go forward as a church family to love each other, to worship with one another, to serve one another as a family, a family of God, and then to get into our community, to love our neighbors and the people that live right here, to love our world and to go out and to spread the good news of Christ. And we are excited. And as one of your pastors, you know, I want to be there for you and for your family. Give me a little bit of time with some of the names, but I want to get to know you. And I want to know your family and I want to be there for you and to pray for you or to to visit you, to cry with you, to encourage you and to point you to God who loves you more than you will ever know. And as one of your pastors, I want to do that and I want to be that for your family. And we're excited to see where God's going to lead this church and this family. Um, We're so humble. Let's pray as we get into God's word. Father, we thank you for how you work, for how you love us, for how you speak to us. I'm thankful for this church body, for this family. And I pray that you would lead us, that we would follow you and nobody else. And God, we want to be faithful. And this morning, God, as we turn to your word now, God, I pray that you would begin to speak to us that you would clearly communicate to our hearts, even with distractions and stressors and everything that's on our mind and our heart. God, that right now, that when we open up your word, your spirit would speak to us. So God, we pray, we ask that through the power of your word, the truth of your word, that you would communicate with us today because we want to be changed. We want to walk in your love And so we ask it all in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. This summer, I want to spend some time going through the book of Psalms. 
Okay, the Psalms are a favorite book of the Bible. I bet you if we took a poll in here about your favorite book in the Bible, I bet you the Psalms would win. We love the Psalms. They're popular, right? It's a comforting book. It's an easy book to read. I remember uh, my grandma, Ashley's grandma, reading a Psalm 46 on her little patio in Florida early in the morning. God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear that the earth give way, that the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. We love the Psalms. We're comforted by the Psalms. But as I was preparing this series and kind of looking into the summer, I started to wonder, why is it that we love the Psalms so much. And I think there are several reasons why it's the first place we turn. I think there's something about music that, that we're drawn to. Right? The Psalms are worship. They're songs often put to instruments. If you read some of the subtitles throughout the Psalms, you'll see that many of these chapters of these, of these books are written with an instrument. And we know the power of music. We all know how music can transport us and take us back to a time of our life. I was listening to the radio the other day, and a song by the Goo Goo Dolls came on. I haven't heard this song for a long time. And instantly, as I'm listening to this song, I'm transported back to middle school and the heartbreak and the, all the pain and the breakup and Just by hearing this song, or when I hear a song by Bebo Norman, one of my favorite artists, there's a song called Walk Down This Mountain. And every time I hear this song, I go back to a challenging time in my life in high school where we just moved and switched schools. And and I hear this song, and I even think of the season that it was. It was fall. And I remember the moment clearly. Another song by Bebo Norman, A Page is Turned, was a song that was sung 12 years, almost 12 years ago at Ashley and I's wedding. And when I hear this song, I can't help but think of that day, of how nervous I was. We're tr- music has power, and we know the power of music. I think that's probably one of the reasons why we're drawn to the songs, because the, the psalms read like music. More than just helping us remember things, music, help us, music helps us to learn you know, we just moved here from Virginia, so that means we have a lot of addresses and phone numbers to learn, and I still, I, I don't know where I live, um, I don't know my phone number, but my kids, how do they remember these things? What do they do? They sing a song, they put their phone, the 717 phone number, to music, and it helps us to remember. We express ourselves through music, don't we? When somebody comes in and wants to talk to me about depression or discouragement or just a dark season of life, it's always interesting how music has, the, has power in those moments. And I'll encourage different people to learn to express themselves, maybe in music or in writing or journaling or poetry, because sometimes it can be hard to do that. Music has power. Poetry is powerful. It helps us relax. 
stimulates our brain. And I think that one reason that we love the Psalms is that it reads like music. It reads like poetry. We're drawn to it. More than just music, the Psalms, if you just read them, you see how authentic the Psalms are. The writers are just brutally honest. And we're drawn to that. I think we like that about the Psalms is that it's easy to read and that when we read it, it just feels like they're talking to us. They yell at God. They get upset. They cry. They rejoice and they worship and they dance and they're just themselves. It makes them look human and approachable. A couple of these verses, there's so many. Psalm 13 says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? Psalm 119, 25. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. Psalm 77, a psalm of depression, of discouragement. We'll look at this one later in the series. It says, I cry aloud to God. Aloud to God and he'll hear me in the day of my trouble. I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. The psalmists are authentic. right? They just talk to God. They express themselves to God. And that's how we are. And so we're drawn to the psalms. And, and, and kind of the next step with this authenticity that the psalmists bring is just the relatability. The psalms meet us in our own stories, in our own life, right? If you were to consider your life as a, as a big story, okay, think of all the chapters that would be in your life, okay? Sadness, life and death, excitement, betrayal and loss, rejoicing. And as, as you look, just think through the chapters of your life, all of these chapters, are paths that the Psalms walk. And so we can turn to the Psalm and we can relate differently, right? Because we don't face the exact same situation that King David faces. But in so many ways, we face similar circumstances that these psalmists are faced. And it's easy to read because we relate. I remember a time many years ago of just grief and sadness and just opening up my Bible to Psalm 42 and being comforted because it felt like David was expressing what I was feeling. He said, as a, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? I remember being in the hospital years ago, questioning, wondering about God's goodness, turning to this chapter, Psalm 101, 103, and reading the psalm and being encouraged in my questions. It says, let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I'll praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. And this line right here, may I never forget the good things he's done for me. Time of confusion. Psalm 25. When I'm confused and you're wonder, I'm wondering what to pray, I remember praying this prayer. Psalm 25. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me 
your paths. Lead me in your truth. Teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. See, we're not the only ones that get confused. We're not the only ones that wonder about what's next. David was confused also. And it's comforting and it's easy to read because we can relate to what he's feeling. But before we just jump into the Psalms, and we're going to spend a lot of time, and I'm going to be encouraging you to read the Psalms throughout the week. But before we just jump in and start reading and relating and applying these Psalms to our lives, I think it's wise for us to take a step back and to consider the kind of the background of the Psalms or those important things, features about the Psalms that will help us understand the Psalms better. And so I want to spend just a couple minutes just talking about some things that are really important to keep in mind before we start studying the Psalms. The first one has to do with genre. The the Psalms are Hebrew poetry. Okay, this is what would would be called the, the genre, the biblical genre that the Psalms fall in. Now, why is that important to know when you're studying the Psalms? Well, it makes all the difference in how you study it. We, um... Packed up about, I don't know, a month ago in Virginia. When we were packing everything up, we had three piles of things. We had the trash pile. We had, the, which there's a lot of stuff you have, you just have to get rid of. We had the apartment pile. So we're currently living in an apartment in Middletown. Okay, and then we had a long-term storage pile because we are building a house and not everything that we have is going to fit into our apartment. So we had these three piles, and I'm in the basement starting to go through these piles or put things in their piles. And in the storage room, I found a bag of notes. And as I started going through these notes, I started to go down memory lane. Um, It was a bag of all the notes that Ashley and I wrote to each other while we were dating. I'm just reading them and crying. And No, I wasn't crying. (laughs) And I picked up a note... And I found a note. I'm not going to read. I'm not going to do this. This is uh, pretty embarrassing, actually. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but here's the beginning. To my sweet Ashley. I want to spend. No, this is true. This is sweet. It's not. I'm not going to be mean about it. I want to spend every second of every minute of every hour for the rest of my life with you. Blah, 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 blah. This is our dating days. It's true. It's a true statement, but just pretty mushy. Okay, this, the genre of this piece of paper is a love letter, right? And that's kind of important for you to know if you're going to study this. You don't want to study this. But if you were, knowing that it's a love letter is critical to understanding it. This isn't science or math. You're not supposed to calculate how many seconds are in every minute of every month of every day. That's not the purpose, right? That's not uh, take, to be taken literally. But the fact that you know this is a love letter will help you understand why I was writing what I was writing. Okay, so the Psalms are Hebrew poetry. It's not to be read as science or math. Or strictly history, not that there's not history in them, but that the heart of the Psalms is poetry, that there's figurative language, and that's a good thing, not to be taken literally. So the psalmist doesn't say, I am really sad. The psalmist says, You fed me with the bread of tears. He doesn't just say, 
I'm happy. He says, you've anointed me with the oil of gladness. He doesn't say protect me. He says hide me in the shadow of your wings. And this is good because when we read the Psalms, we've got to use our imaginations. We've got to try to feel what the psalmist is feeling and not just examine the words. Not only is it there's figurative language, but you've got to understand how how Hebrew poetry works. And it's different than how poetry that we read works. Um, When we read a poem, we look for rhyme and rhythm and meter. Roses are red, violets are blue. What comes next? See, I had no idea. I was writing this. I'm like, what comes after this? Roses are red, violets are blue. And what, what is next? Sugar is what? And so are you. Okay, so if we translate that poem into another language, it loses some of the force, right? Because it doesn't rhyme. The rhyme is what we're looking for, but Hebrew poetry is different. If we were looking for rhyme, we'd be in trouble. Why would we be in trouble? Because it was written in Hebrew. And when you translate it to English, you lose that. But Hebrew poetry is not like that. Hebrew poetry is based on how one line connects to another. Okay, it's called parallelism. And what's, when you're reading the Psalms, you want to be examining and be thinking, okay, how does this line work with the second line? How does this thought connect with the thought before it? And it's actually a really helpful thing when you're studying. So when you get to Psalm 29, 4, it says, the voice of the Lord is powerful. Well, if that was all that we had, the voice of the Lord is powerful. And it was left up to us to kind of figure out what does it mean when it says powerful? You might think, well, in creation, I mean, in, in, the, in how loud it, his voice is, in his judgment. Like, there's a lot of ways that we could take the voice of the Lord is powerful, right? But the second line, which would be called synonymous parallelism, actually helps us understand the voice of the Lord is powerful. It says, the voice of the Lord is majestic. And so when you study Hebrew poetry, you want to study the two lines together. And in that one in particular, we learned that the power is actually talking about his glory and his majesty and his worth. And so knowing that Hebrew poetry is largely written in those, in, in, with parallelism, it helps us as we study it. Okay, there's also this idea that the Psalms are organized, Maybe you remember the days of greatest hit CDs, the 90s, the 80s. You you buy that CD and it's all the best songs of the decade. There's no connection to the songs. It's just the top songs thrown on a CD. Okay, this is not how the Psalms is organized. Sometimes we think it's just 150 chapters, just all thrown into one big book. But no, it's actually more organized than that. Okay, first there's categories of Psalms. Okay, so it's not chronological, some people organize the Psalms categorically. So they look at the Psalms and they read the Psalms and they see that there are different types of Psalms that are written. A lament Psalm would be the most popular of all the categories. So where um, the author is in a troubling situation, he's crying out to God asking for help. There's, There's Psalms of praise, of thanksgiving, 
Psalms celebrating God's law. Psalm 119 is a popular psalm of God's law. Wisdom psalm. Psalm 1, and we'll look at that next week. Psalms of confidence. Messianic psalms. Kingly psalms. So where you look at the king, King David, but it also has a deeper meaning that applies to Christ. Historical psalms and prophetic psalms, and there's many different categories. And it's helpful when you read the psalms to know what category it falls in. The psalms are also organized within little books. I don't know if you noticed this before, but when you're flipping through the psalms, some subtitles actually say book one, book two, book three, book four, book five. There's five organized books within the psalms. The first two books are the first 72 chapters dealing with King David and the Davidic monarchy and what it means to fall in line under David and the experiences of the people with David as king. Book three starts in chapter 73. Read Psalm 73 and compare it to any of the Psalms before. You have this switch in the tone. I was reading Psalm 75 this morning and it's clearly different. You've got this discouragement because the kingship has failed. The temple has been destroyed. The people are in exile. And so the tone of book three, starting with Psalm 73, is different. They're discouraged. You get the question. There's hard questions asked in Psalm 73, or in the book three. How, God? Why? When will you come back? When will you help us? Book 4, Psalm 89 through 106. Israel's in exile. It's clear still. But they're starting to learn and to trust that God's in control, that he's king. And then the last book, Psalm 107 through Psalm 150. You've got this hope ingrained in these psalms where you see this change of heart where now they're looking forward in hope to what's coming, that a greater king is coming. So we have this organization. It's Hebrew poetry. It's clearly organized. And I want to kind of take a step in a different direction. Um, also, the Psalms are worship. And we've talked about the power of music. I just want to think for a second about worship. What, what's surreal to me as I was studying some of the Psalms these last couple of weeks was to realize the usage of the Psalms in the history of the church. And it's just surreal as you're reading these these chapters, these songs, to realize that the Psalms have been used in the ancient church for worship and for spiritual formation for, for the, from the beginning of the church. The, the Jewish people would, every day of the week, would come into the temple and on every day they had a slotted psalm that they would sing. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they would actually sing a psalm. Jonathan mentioned this last week, that Jesus sang a hymn at Passover. Well, what hymn did Jesus have to sing? Amazing Grace? Like, was that out yet? No. What did he sing? He sang Psalm 118. Peter and John, when they are arrested in Acts 2, what do they pray? They pray Psalm 2. And it's incredible to think that the earliest church was praying and reading and worshiping to the Psalms that we have in our Bible. And not just, the, not just Jesus and the, and the early church, but 
our church fathers. And before that, Augustine, here's a quote from Augustine. He says, my God, when I read the Psalms of David, those faithful songs, how my love for thee was kindled by them, how I burned to recite them. The church fathers at the Reformation, Martin Luther, John Calvin, worshiped to the Psalms. Martin Luther preached on the Psalm for two years. We will not go that long. For two years, he preached through the Psalms. He read and prayed the Psalms. I was reading a book by C.S. Lewis on the Psalms. He said, the most valuable thing the Psalms do for me is to express the same delight in which God made David dance. It's humbling and amazing to think about that the, the, the book of Psalms has been used in the life of the church for so many things, not just um, to read and to study, but to worship and to pray and to be drawn to God spiritually. Psalms are worship, and we should treat the Psalms like worship. Like we should, we should sing to God and pray to God through the Psalms and not just read them black and white. The Psalms engage our emotions. How many of you would describe yourself as an emotional person? You're okay with it. You're emotional. Some, okay, you don't want to admit that. How, many of you, how about this? How many of you would describe your, your spouse as less emotional than you are? Your spouse is less emotional than... Okay, y'all are not wanting to admit these things. I am less emotional than my wife. That's just, just how it is. I remember when we were just married in the state of Texas, having lunch with another couple, and I um, were eating Chinese food, and the, the other wife said something about the importance of emotional connection. And I'm sitting there thinking, I have no idea what you're talking about. What does it mean to be emotionally connected? I had a lot to learn as a young married man. Okay, the Psalms are emotional. They engage our emotions. Sometimes we think our emotions are bad. Sometimes we overemphasize our emotions. We'll talk more about that through the series. But the, the bottom line is, is you cannot read the Psalms without thinking about emotions, love and sorrow and fear and trust, dependence. The Psalms are an emotional book and it is a good thing to express ourselves to God in our emotions. But it's not just our emotions. And, and BJ said this as we sang that last song. The Psalms also engage us in theology and enrich history. Right? Martin Luther calls the Psalms, the whole book is a mini Bible. You can find so much theology, so much history of the Bible in the book of the Psalms. You got the, the law at Mount Sinai, the tabernacle, the temple, the exile, the restoration that's to come. You've got prophecy of things that are going to be happening. Okay, the, the Psalms are the most quoted book in the New Testament. It's incredible that there's no other book more quoted in the New Testament than the Psalms. C.S. or Tim Keller has a little devotion on the Psalms that I like. And he says this about the depth of the Psalms. says, the Psalms help us to see God. God, not as we wish or hope him to be, but as he actually reveals himself. The descriptions of God in the Psalter are rich beyond human invention. 
He is more holy, more wise, more fearsome, more tender and loving than we would ever imagine him to be. The Psalms fire our imagination into new realms, yet guide them toward the God who actually exists. This brings a reality to our prayer lives that nothing else can. The Psalms aren't just um, meaningless songs or kind of shallow songs. There is rich, deep theology and history in the Psalms. And so this sets us up for this summer and what we're going to be doing with the Psalms. I've called this series Exalting the King. And we sang perfectly, beautifully to this idea. Because I think if you were to try to take the Psalms and boil it down to one theme, I think it's this. The Psalms were written so that we would worship and exalt the King. He is worthy of our praise. Let's turn to Psalm 145 and we'll close with just briefly looking at this psalm. I'm going to be reading from the ESV. Um, I hope you like that version because that's what I'll be using. This is a beautiful psalm and I think it captures at a, at a small scale of what the whole book of Psalms kind of culminates to, worshiping the king. It says, I'll extol you, my God and king, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I'll de declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall, they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. And let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. What a beautiful psalm. This is known as an alphabetical psalm. 
So it takes the Hebrew alphabet and going through every letter of the Hebrew alphabet, he starts these verses purposefully going through the letters to to start each of these verses. Think of all the words later, today or this week. I want you to go through Psalm 145 and underline all the words for praise or for bless. There's a lot of them. Why is he doing this? Why is it alphabetical? Why does he use so many different words for praising God? It's because he knows the worth and the value of his king. He wants to use every word in the language that he knows to communicate the value and the worth of God. And so he goes through the alphabet and he uses so many different words for praising because he knows God's greatness. It's also interesting if you study the psalm, how it widens itself. Verse 1 starts with the individual. Okay, it's, I will praise you. Verse 10, it widens to the community of believers. And then in verse 21, it's all creatures. So it starts with David and it gets wider and wider and wider until the whole world is praising him. But why? If we were to look closely, so those first three verses give us kind of the foundation. Okay, after those first three verses, the rest of the psalm is all about why are we praising God? Why would we do that? And I think it kind of is summarized in verse one, I love how David calls, what David calls God. He says, my God and king. Some translations actually say, my God, the king. And what's so cool about that little phrase is that it's, it's almost like David is saying, this is my dad. Okay, my God is this really relational way. It's my God. It's a relational connection with God. It's like my dad, but then it doesn't just stop there. He says, my dad, the the one who sits on his throne. Why do we worship and extol and praise God in the Psalms? Because he sits on his throne and he's completely in control. In exile, he's in control. In darkness, he's in in control. When David's in the cave, he's in control. And he's worthy to be praised. And the Psalms point us to this idea of worshiping God for who he is in all circumstances because he sits on his throne. And so for us, church, I want to encourage you to dive deeper into the book of the Psalms. To not just read the Psalms this summer. To not just read them and study the, the, the language, but to really try to experience the Psalms. And so maybe that means you want to try praying through the Psalms. Maybe you want to take Psalm 145 this week and you just want to pray it. Again, this has been done for the history of the church. Like this isn't some new thing that it's like we're praying the words of Scripture. And so praying through Psalm 145 or singing the Psalms or writing the Psalms out. I want to encourage you to experience God in the Psalms and then to learn from the Psalms. What's really cool is that we can learn how to react to any situation of life by studying the Psalms. And so maybe you're in a season of happiness and you want to find a Psalm that deals with um, encouragement and you want to express yourself the way that the Psalmist is. Maybe you are in a dark season. Maybe you're discouraged. Find a Psalm where there's discouragement 
and learn how to express yourself by working through the psalm. Maybe you want to spend some time in Psalm 145 this week. It's a beautiful psalm. There's so much there. But I want to encourage you to, to dive deeper in the psalms. Let's pray as we close in prayer. Father, we are so thankful for how you provide for us. That you don't just leave us in the stories and the chapters of our lives, but that you engage us and you give us examples beautiful, worshipful, poetic examples with the Psalms. And I pray, God, that our spiritual life would go deeper as we search out the Psalms and we pray the Psalms and we read deeper into the Psalms. And so, God, I pray that this week as we seek to experience you in the Psalms, God, that you would meet us there that you would lead us to the psalm, or whether that's Psalm 145 or some other psalm, but God, that most of all, that we would be guided to you and to your cross, to your love and your grace. So God, I pray that you would do that for us this week and for this summer as we spend some time in the psalms. We love you, Father. You are worthy of our worship. You are king. Regardless of our circumstances, you're king. And I pray that you would help us to hold on to that. We need that. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.